The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Well, hello. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm delighted to speak on on this parable. You're going through a series on the parables of the kingdom, and some of them are painting a very big picture, like the seed, that's the tiniest seed, that becomes a massive tree, like the church beginning with a few fishermen finding Jesus on the beach at Galilee, and now millions of Christians all over the world, China, India, South America, Africa, millions and millions of Christians This particular parable we're looking at today is more about the individual's subjective experience. Man finding treasure in a field. A man kind of stumbling on something that radically changes his whole view of life, his whole value system on something he kind of stumbles on. There's no indication he's looking for it. You know, some people think, oh, well, religious people, you know, they're trying to cultivate something. They have a kind of religious bent. And, uh, you know, some of us might say, well, I'm, I'm not really made like that. My wife is. I'm not really. I'm... No, no, it's, uh, this is just an ordinary guy. And he stumbles on hidden treasure. It's like, wow, look what I found. He hasn't got a, a religious attitude to life. He's not a certain kind of person. He discovers something that was hidden And now he's found it, and it's changed everything for him. That's what this parable is talking about. I love uh, actually asking people, how did you become a Christian? And, you know, people come from so many different diverse backgrounds and settings. It's always fascinating to hear how they stumbled on Christianity, on the kingdom of God. I have the privilege of, of traveling quite widely. I meet people all over the world, and I've often asked people this story. One of the most outstanding ones was a, a guy called Karen, who's pastoring a church in Armenia, terrific church, actually, hundreds of people. In fact, he said to me, if you watch television uh, in our country, uh, any evening you will see somebody from my church. He's got this big church. A lot of people in the entertainment world have found it and found Jesus. Anyway, I said... He was driving me once, and uh, I said to him, how did you become a Christian, Karen? And his was one of the more dramatic stories. He was uh, in Armenia when it was part of the USSR. He was a committed communist, persuaded that he was, he was a member of the Communist Party. And there was an earthquake in the nation. It's the only place I've been in the hotel where it says, if there's an earthquake. You know, don't often see that. But he said there was an earthquake, quite a major one. And American missionaries rushed in. They were very well organized uh, with tents and with food and with uh, things that would help people. And uh, they began to mingle. Of course, they're really there to try and share the gospel with people, but they're being loving and kind and providing. And two of his friends became Christians. He was outraged. I mean, he's just furious. He said, come on, nobody believes this stuff anymore. What are you doing? And he tried to persuade them to give it all up, but they wouldn't. In the end, he, he was so furious with them. He said, the, he said to me, the culture in Armenia is that if you hear somebody speaks against you, you, you don't let it go. You confront them. That's the way we are. So he said, I cursed and swore against Christ. 
and said to them, if he, if he wants to confront me, he knows where to find me. I mean, just completely indifferent. Anyway, he, he went home, went to bed. He was sleeping that night. He had a dream. And in the dream, he saw this uh, cloaked figure, figure with a hood, like a kind of a monk, and beckoned him. So he's following this figure in his dream. And as he's following after a while, he said, the monk turned around, threw back the hood, and he said that was the most hideous face he had ever seen in his life. Utterly horrific and terrifying. And it woke him up. It was so horrific. And he said, as I woke, to my utter amazement, this figure was standing there with this hideous face, put his hand on his chest and was squeezing the life out of him. I thought, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he said, but my friend said to me, you know, you can call on Jesus. And he thought, well, I don't believe in Jesus. But I thought, I'm going to die here. So in the end, he said, I cried out, Jesus. He said, immediately, this horrific figure just, just kind of shrank and went. And he said, light began to fill the room. And he said, I closed my eyes. This light was so bright. And, that, and they said, I asked, I asked, may I open my eyes? And he said, I heard a voice say to me, blessed are those who believe that they've never seen. He said, the next day I went to find my friends. I said, tell me about Jesus. And they said, no, we're not going to tell you about Jesus. You get so angry, you swear. And they, and they said, tell me. No, they refused to tell him. And so he said to them, well, blessed are those who believe, though they've never seen. And they said, where'd you get that from? And they, he told them the story, how Jesus had come and set him free. And they led him to Jesus. And this friend of mine, who was a, a paid-up member of the Communist Party, he said, I went to my overseer. I put my membership card on his desk and said, I've finished with this. He said, I don't know what would have happened to me, but it was at that time, very shortly, within the next week or so, the USSR fell, the Berlin Wall came down, and that was the end of it. Now he's a pastor in a church. He stumbled on something he wasn't even looking for. See, Christianity is not for a certain kind of person. This parable says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who stumbles on treasure in a field. He's not looking for it. He's not searching in the temple or synagogue. He's in a field and he stumbles on treasure. And I, you can imagine this guy comes, opens a lid of some a great container and, wow, what have I found? Extraordinary treasure. It reminds me, actually, of the story of the resurrection of Christ because it says for joy, for utter joy, he sells everything he's got in order to buy the field. Actually, it's quite a comic. He said he took what he found and, and hid it somewhere else. It's almost like, well, if I could find it, maybe somebody else would find it. So he hid it better. You see, in those days, there were no banks. You know, it's a bit like pirates who hide treasure in the ground. And, and sometimes someone would leave treasure and maybe pass away. Maybe it's been there for a while. So if he could own the field, he could have the treasure. So he says, I'm getting rid of everything. It changed. It completely changed. His whole value system, his whole lifestyle changed on what he found. And when people discovered Jesus, this wonderful person they'd followed, they'd listened to, no man ever spoke like this man. I mean, they even sent soldiers to take him. The soldiers came back empty-handed. They said, no one ever spoke like this man. 
He speaks with authority, not like the, the scribes. And, and he healed the sick, he did amazing things. And then this one that they devoted their lives to, hey, he was smashed to death on a cross. And I mean, they're heartbroken. They think it's all over. They think that's the, that's the end of a wonderful dream that they've been living. But suddenly, suddenly he's alive. People kind of stumble on it. They don't expect it. They're going, they're going to uh, embalm the, the dead body. They don't expect. And suddenly they say, hey, he's alive. And it says they couldn't believe for joy. I mean, it's so exciting. And there's lots of running and laughter and joy at that first moment when Jesus rose from the dead. It's like they'd found treasure. I know for myself, when I, I first stumbled on the gospel, when I was first told about Jesus, I, you can imagine this guy opening the box. You think, wow, what have I found? And for me, I, I think the first thing that I, I felt so excited about was, you know, he's beaten death. Jesus is alive. That means death is beaten. If you know Jesus, you can live forever. Now, I was kind of arrested, and I'll explain that a bit more later, but I, I, I suddenly knew it was true. I wasn't looking for it. I was just told by someone they'd become a Christian. This is how they became a Christian. They suddenly knew Jesus was alive, and that's what it was like the first Easter. He's alive again. Death is beaten. Now, this is the greatest treasure you could ever find. We're going to live forever. Those who put their trust in Jesus will live forever. To know that, to know that death is beaten. That's the thing everybody would love to know, that death is actually beaten. And Jesus says, because I, I live, you will live also. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll live forever. He's beaten death for us. And so what is it, what, what's the treasure? Well, I found this golden thing. I found this thing encrusted with jewels. You know, it's found treasure, treasure, so excited. Well, some of the treasure, first one for me was, I'm going to live forever. The next thing for me was, you can know God personally. You mean, there's a, there's a God you can know? It's not just like, well, there's a creator somewhere, and I guess there's some kind of person who wound up the watch and it keeps moving. No, there's a personal God you can know personally. He will know you. He will be like a father to you. I mean, that is awesome that I can have a father like God who will care for me, look after me, see me through life. And that day I discovered, hey, I now have a father who is utterly loving and whom I can know. I have found a wonderful personal father whom I can experience. I can pray to him. I mean, I'm uh, an old guy now. <laughs> I've had years of answered prayer, phenomenal answered prayer, incredible answered prayer. I know a God who answers prayer. It's not just kind of you learned a religion that just crushes you and you live a narrow life. I've found a God who answers prayer. It's absolutely stunning to know him. And he guides. He has purposes for our lives. Now, it's wonderful to find purpose. So many people today... They don't know what we're on the planet for. What's the point? They've got no values. They don't, they don't really know what life's about. I mean, is it about money? And then you find the richest people saying, well, I don't know. I've I got all these riches. I'm still empty. Many, many people know that without God, life is purposeless. But when you find God, you find 
purpose for your life. And I remember when I first discovered Christianity, I thought, oh, I see now. I kind of understand the purpose of world history. It's like it's not like I was suddenly brilliant. I was just as silly as I was before. But I, I thought, oh, that, that's how it fits. The human race was meant to live in fellowship with God, but it turned away. I understand. Man is made with a massive potential. He's, like, he's a bit like a, a wounded athlete. You can sometimes see someone who's, who's a brilliant athlete, but, oh, you know, he had got a torn ligament. And, wow, look at that physique. Look at that. But he can't do it anymore. Or it's like a ruin. You go to Rome. You see the magnificent Colosseum. You think, oh, look at that. But it's, it's ruined. The human race is like that. It's got a majesty about it. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. Phenomenal potential. Incredible skill, imagination, musical skills to write beautiful melody, poetry. Magnificent creature man is. He can, he can put people on the moon and back. Incredible creature with huge capacity because God made man in his image and likeness. But the Bible says, no, we messed up. Morally, we messed up. And then we lost our purpose. We don't know what life's for. We don't know what it's all about. When you come to God, Everything fits. It was so wonderful to think, oh, I understand now. Oh, I see that that happens. It's a wonderful treasure to find. It does change every other value. When you find out, hey, I'm going to live forever. I know God. And not only that, I understand why Jesus died. I never understood before. I knew he died. I mean, everybody knows that. But so, and what does that mean? But when I heard, no, no, he's alive again, and when he died, he took the guilt of those who put their trust in him. It's what the Bible teaches, that God loved the world so much that he gave his son and, and he was punished in our place. He was beaten so we go free. So all judgment for those who believe in Jesus is gone. It's behind us. It's finished. It's over. So God sees those who put their trust in him as righteous a clean conscience. You could have a what a wonderful gift. What treasure to find. A clear conscience with him. All those things I've done, yeah, forgotten. Forgotten. Absolutely wiped clean. When I wake tomorrow morning, I'm righteous. I can say Father. I can call him Father. I did this morning. I come Father. Here I am again. I start singing my love to him. I celebrate that he loves me. He's called me righteous. He welcomes me into his presence. Hey, this is treasure. I found treasure. It changed all my other values. It's changed everything. Judgment is past. Mercy is there. If I mess up, there's mercy again. If I confess, I say, I'm Lord, so I didn't mean to do that because I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying in God's sight, I'm accepted. I'm a son who's come home. He's given me forgiveness free, absolutely free. And I sometimes mess up, but I come and say, I'm sorry about that, Lord. I say, okay, I forgive you. Now go and walk in. Oh, why? This is amazing. It's amazing. Even if you mess up, you can be clean. No, that doesn't make you want to mess up. It makes you want to do better and better because now I've got purpose. Now I've got my father. Now I've got something to live for because he, he puts a kind of calling on your life. He gives dignity. He's given me dignity. I have a purpose in life. I've got something to live for. It's so wonderful. These treasures that he's given me. 
And not only that, purpose for the creation. You know, the Bible says these amazing things that God will create new heavens and a new earth. You know, we hear about our world is kind of running out. The Bible says it will wear out like a garment. You know, we know what it's like to have garments that wear out. God made the world. He said it will wear out. Now we know it's wearing out. We know the ozone layer is wearing out. We know we've got climate problems. We've got food problems. The Bible said in advance it will wear out. But it also says this. God will create new heavens and a new earth. He's the creator. He will do it again. And it says that for us, we have that to look forward to. So it's not just going to endure forever, like, gosh, do I have to watch another you know, Netflix, you know, what we're going to do all the time. No, he's going to create new heavens and a new earth with his creative skill. Imagine the billions of galaxies out there, the stars. Think of the flowers, all the different flowers, the different creatures, the birds of the air, the things God can make. We will never, never be bored. And to know him, we're going to get to know him even better than we know him now. It says, actually, when we go to be with him, we'll know him like he knows us. Imagine what lies before us. No wonder this guy, he says, I'll sell everything to have this treasure. Everything else is devalued. Everything else I used to think was important is devalued because of the surpassing worth of what I found. Now, that's what it's like to be a Christian. You may have other things that were important to you before. The other twin parable, if you like, is about someone who has, uh, is a pearl correct, a collector. It's like, I've got this pearl and this pearl. You know, sometimes people who know a lot about uh, beautiful jewelry, they might say, well, this, this one, you know, it was owned by uh, George III. This one was owned by, his history goes back. This one was owned by a sheikh in the Middle East. And uh, let me show you, this is magnificent. Uh, this one is totally, and then suddenly it's like this pearl collector says, oh, wow, what is that? Oh, wow, forget, I, I've got to have that one. And so these other pearls, which had, had, kind of thrilled him, excited him, became insignificant. It's a bit like that with the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul, one of the great Christian leaders, got his cathedral in London, the great Apostle Paul. He, was, he hated Christianity. He was against Christianity. And he was trying to kill the early Christians. He was a devout Jew, hugely respected he was trained by a guy called Gamaliel, who was the, the main Bible teacher, the main teacher of Judaism in Paul's day. And Paul was probably a leading. It says, I was, I was above my contemporaries. He excelled. I mean, he was proud, arrogant. And then he, he stumbled on Christ, the most famous conversion in the Bible. This guy was going this way, and suddenly he sees a light above the heavens, above the noonday sun in the Mediterranean. That'd be nice to see, wouldn't it? We're not going there this year, I don't think. But the noonday sun in the Mediterranean, and this light is brighter. And, and, and he says, who are you? And interesting, the answer. The answer is fascinating. And the answer is this, who are you? It's like, what is this? Who are you? And he says, I am Jesus of Rottingdean. 
What do you mean Jesus, the rotting dean? I said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. It's like, huh? What's Nazareth? Actually, says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? This incredible light burning out of heaven that blinded him. Who are you? I'm Jesus who was living in Nazareth. What? What? I thought you were dead. No, I'm not. And, and, and what are you doing to my church? And Paul says, what should I do? And Paul becomes the greatest apostle in the New Testament, a magnificent Christian leader, because he, he stumbled on treasure. He stumbled on it. He wasn't looking for it. He was against it. This is the story, dear friends. It's, it's, it's hidden away, and you suddenly see it. He wasn't there before, but now he is. And Paul says, well, I'm prepared to lose everything. It says in one of the letters he wrote in the Bible, so I suffer the loss of all things. He lost his prestige as a leading teacher, a rabbi, honored, respected. He lost it all. But he said, I'm happy to lose it all. He said, I count it as rubbish. He actually says, I count it as dung. That's how he said, all this stuff, my, my prestige, my standing, as a leading man, he said, absolute trash now. I couldn't care less about it that I might gain Christ. I found this treasure. Yeah, you can have the field. You can have the field. You can have everything else. I don't want anything else. I found Jesus. And you know, church history is full of people like that. They, they just said, well, what's the point of going for this when I've got, I've got something that has changed everything else? And so, beloved... Christians are not people who are just trying to do their duty, trying to keep up, you know, this religious stuff. No, we've discovered something that is utterly breathtaking and changed every other value. But you may be sitting there this morning, you know, maybe your wife's sitting next to you and she comes to church and you don't because you think, wow, you know, she's religious, I'm not. Maybe can I just speak to you for a moment? You may say, yeah, well, I don't see it. She sees it. I mean... I don't see it. I'm a dumb, come on. I'm a 21st century man. I, I, don't, I don't see this stuff. No, it's not because you're 21st century that you don't see it. You don't see it because it's hidden. It was hidden from the beginning. You need to understand this. It's not that we've grown out of it. Millions of people, brilliant scientists, modern people, See it. But it, it's hidden. It's not that we've grown out of it. It's hidden. Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he didn't come to Rome. He didn't even come to Jerusalem. He's born in a stable. It's hidden. That's the whole point. It's hidden. I mean, a king, the king of kings born in a stable? Raised in Nazareth? The Bible says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's deliberately hidden. And you'll find that again and again. And it actually says this. At one point, Simon Peter, who's kind of discovered him, one of his leading disciples, gradually are coming to understand what he's found. And one day Jesus says to him, who do you think I am? And Simon Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I mean, he's seen, he's seen Jesus stop storms, just say, hush, and the storm stops. 
He's seen him walk on water. He's seen him feed thousands. He's seen him heal the sick. He's had sublime teaching. He's never met such love. And this life, this life they lived with every day. And he says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the one the Bible promises. And then Jesus says this to him. He says, you're blessed, Simon Peter. And this is this. You haven't discovered that on your own. My heavenly Father has revealed it to you. Because, he says, these things are hidden from the wise and revealed to babies. It has to be revealed. God has made it that we don't see it. And the Bible says this, the wise seek for wisdom. God reveals. God has to show you. And so, dear friend, if you're saying, well, my wife's a believer, I'm, I don't know. No, no, no. You need to ask God to see. The Bible says you have to become like a little child. You have to turn and become like a little child. It's about attitude. It's not about you've worked it out in your brain. I mean, who do you think Jesus is? If you've been asked what Simon Peter's asked, who do you say I am? You say, oh, he's a great teacher, I guess. No, great teachers don't say what Jesus said. I mean, we can honor great men like Mandela. I mean, what a man. But if Mandela one day said, I am the light of the world, he said, come off it. Jesus said that. He's not just a great teacher. He's either a crook or a madman, or actually, he's what he said he was. But it's kind of hidden. And it says this in the Bible. If anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. You can stumble on him. You can find him. But actually, it's about your heart and a willingness for him to show himself to you. The kingdom of God's like someone who finds treasure in a field. He gladly, everything else changes value. Now, this is the one thing. Everything else just changes value. I want this above everything. Everything else has to be reassessed. Do pray God will bless you through his living word to you this morning.